Welcome to episode 12 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, so uh, welcome along to episode 12 of Iron Man Talk with uh, Coach Sean Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going John? Very good. This is an international flavour today. We're broadcasting from around the world. Amazing. From around the world. We're in... Um, John's in France. What time is it in France at the moment, mate? It's uh, 8.22pm, so we're just sitting down, ready to watch another round of the uh, World Cup football. Yeah, and he's just had dessert, and I'm 6am 6, 6 in the morning in Christchurch, so I think I'm getting done here. <laughs> You're running late, man. You're, you're 10 minutes late. Slack, I should get out of bed on time. <laughs> there will be a slight delay on this um, because we're using Skype, so just uh, persevere with that throughout the show. But coming up on this week's show, we've got the news from the results from UK, um, plus a couple of other results from some other races happening around the world. And we've got a preview of Ironman France plus Coeur d'Alene in America. Uh, we've got our picks for that, and this week we're going to do the men for France and the females for Coeur d'Alene, so bring it on. Uh, a champion of the sport is retiring, and we'll tell you who that is later on. Uh, John is in France, so he's going to talk a little bit about Epic Camp, um, and we're going to talk to a guy called Ian, who runs... What does Ian actually do over there, mate? Uh, he runs Pyrenees Multisport, which is a, a company that basically runs training camps and uh, little tours around the Pyrenees, so I'm staying with him tonight, so that's where we're broadcasting from, and oh, nice. uh, he's helping us out with Epic Camp. Cool. Uh, high five for the week is uh, top five travel tips, which is kind of cool, which is a good idea. Extend your travelling, so I like that. Uh, yeah, that's why I picked them up. All the things I haven't been doing. <laughs> Age grouper of the week plus uh, coach's corner. What are you doing today, mate? Uh, we're just going to have a very brief uh, bit because I've been a bit lazy, and we're just going <laughs> to talk about um, some some swim tests you can do. Uh, so if you really want to figure out uh, some benchmarks as you're going along. And also some tips on blisters, yep. and then we'll obviously just go into questions and answers at the end. Nice, yeah, we've got quite a few questions and answers today, so it's good. So first up, we had the uh, UK 70.3 over the weekend. We had a pretty slow race. Yeah, it looked like a pretty tough course. So um, the, the rumours are going around that everybody's saying it's the, the hardest half Ironman or hard, hardest 70.3 in the world, but uh, it seems like everybody sees that one. But but yeah, they were slow times. I mean, Chris yeah. McCormick won there, and he only... Um, only managed to 4.18, so that's yeah, you know, the that, top guys. That does usually, kind of represent that, doesn't it? It does, and the guys are usually cracking four hours, so um, pretty slow times, but you know, no no big surprises there with Chris McCormick winning it. Um, good, good field overall? Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, um, we were we talking, wasn't Tim DeBoom or somebody else supposed mm, to be? Peter Reed mm. was supposed to be racing, wasn't he? No, I think it was DeBoom. Well, I guess we, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't, uh, didn't seem to show, no. um, but it was good to see old... Old Klaus was there in fifth, yeah. um, so that was pretty good. But it was actually quite close racing. It, McCormick certainly didn't have it his own way. Uh, they had uh, Pete Jacobs in second, and he was actually leading off the bike. I think he had a two-minute lead on McCormick off the bike. And then uh, so then Mac passed him on the run. And Richard Allen, who's a pretty well-performed athlete, he got third. And, uh, yeah, nice to see old Klaus on the comeback. But it does really show when you look at his split. Um, you know, he lost about four to five minutes in the swim, yeah. and we've talked about that for a few weeks. Is that you just can't afford to be losing that much time, even if it's at, you know, especially at the elite level. And you know, being that close to the group would have definitely—he's kind of a motivated guy. I imagine it would have pulled him through through the race. You know. Yeah, exactly. 
But he, uh, I think he had the second fastest run split, so he made up some time and, uh, and still managed to get in there in fifth, so good on him. Jeez, oh, Chris Kane didn't run, didn't he? He did it at 116, yeah. and then Klaas yeah. was second at 119, and Klaas is a pretty good runner. Klaas got the, the race record at, um, at Taupo for the, for the marathon there, so... Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, so Maka, well, Maka, Maka had a great run in Hawaii well. last year too, didn't he? Mm, fastest run splits, so... He's always been a good runner. I mean, he's a world champion at, at short course... Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's see how he goes the rest of the year, and he's going to be one of my picks for um, for Kona later in the year, I think. I think it's this year, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we also had some other races over the weekend. Uh, you could say the first one in Canada. <laughs> Muskoka. They had the World Triathlon Champs there. About um, when did they have the World Tri Champs? It must have been back around about '93, I think it was. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it was a pretty strong field actually, yeah, and the old uh, coming at second. I'm just going to use my professional skills here, Bevan, and turn the TV down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can distract it by something, John. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a pretty good field there. Simon Whitfield um, took it out, so he beat Craig Alexander, and he's probably been the most consistent performer over the last few years. So, yeah, no, and uh, Craig's so been winning a few races, isn't he, lately? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that was good, but it was a pretty good field. I mean, Dave Harju there was in fifth place. He's won a few Ironmans before, so it was a pretty strong field. But also what I did note was uh, in the women's field, the girl, a girl we've been talking a lot about the last few weeks, um, Samantha McGlone, she's won quite a few races. She was actually beaten into second place. Um, but it was, it was a really strong women's field. So uh, Samantha McGlone was second, and the girl that won was Teresa uh, Mackle, I haven't heard of her before, but uh, she beat some good girls there. I mean, uh, we had Lisa Bentley in third, Karen Smyers was there as well, so um, wow. pretty strong women's field. So is this traditionally a good race? Like, a, Does it traditionally put a good field? Uh, I've, I'm not, I've, I haven't come across this race before, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was just sort of doing a bit of a surf around, um, but it certainly looks like it. A lot of them are Canadians, so it's probably just a nice, uh, yeah. nice local race for them to go and blow out at. And maybe close to a few Americans. Hey, uh, I've, we forgot to yeah. the chicks in the UK. I move forward. So we go back oh, and back. Oh, back it up. Back, back it up. Back it up. So the chicks in yeah. the UK, have you closed the page? I've closed the page. Okay, fill, so fill me in. Katrona or Katrina uh, Morrison, have you heard of her? She had, I haven't heard of her, but she had a pretty good race by the look of it. Yeah, yeah. And then we've got... Um, no, that's a, that's a male. Jeez, <laughs> um, I'm not doing well with the chicks today, am I? Uh, where's the no. number two? Okay, um, Monica Lehman. If, if you want any complaints, uh, email <laughs> complaints to ironmantalk at gmail.com and address them to Bevan, not me. <laughs> so Monica Lehman came in at second. Again, really slow. Yeah. Slow time. She was 5.06, which is... Uh, oh. Yeah, it's pretty slow. And uh, then yeah. in the third we had... Uh, Yvette Grace, Grace, Yvette Grace, so, yeah, yeah 516-ish, so, yeah, yeah, definitely, it must have been a pretty hard course. So, mm, yeah, so. slow times. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's, let's move, move on, on. to our third race. <laughs> 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 so uh, then we had so the New what Balance half in Victoria. New Balanced. So there's a few good guys racing there, um, but I thought I'd brought, bring that up. Tom Evans won, um, so he's obviously won Ironman Canada last year. Yep. So he's, uh, this is another race in, uh, in Canada. It's a busy weekend up there. Um, but I thought I'd just bring that one up because it was nice to see old uh, Laurie Bowden making a comeback. She actually got beaten. Um, she was in second place. But we'll give her a break. She's just had a few, uh, just had a baby. I think maybe her second baby. Yep. Uh, but she was beaten Peter Reed's in wife, second. Isn't it? 
world ex-wife. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Scandal. Yeah. Uh, but the, the girl who actually beat her was uh, Heather Danforth. His new wife. So not, not by much. <laughs> it was only yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why. We'll get onto that later. That was not uh, true. But she... She was uh, about two minutes behind, so pretty close stuff. But uh, we'll see how, how serious Laurie Bowden is on, on making a comeback. She may just be having a bit of fun, but we'll, uh, we'll soon find Laurie, out. How old is do you know? Sorry? Do you know how old she is? Well, she's in the 35 to 39 age group, so somewhere in that age bracket. Oh, true. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. Um, so coming up this weekend, we've got a couple of women, which is kind of cool. Uh, we've yeah. got France coming up. France and Coeur d'Alene. So, so France is a pretty tough course. Uh, it's uh, an ocean swim, uh, yep. and then it's a, a fairly challenging bike course, very hilly early on, um, obviously with a lot of downhill, what goes up must come down, mm. uh, and then mm. a nice flat flat run up and down the promenade down in Nice. So really nice place to, to go and do a race. So I, again, I don't think we'll see any, uh, any world records set down there. Uh, but it's very much a, a French flavour to the race. There's, there's not a lot of international pros racing, um, and so all my picks are actually French. Are they? Do you want to do the picks yeah. now? Do you want to do the picks? Go on, we'll Might do the picks well. for France. Okay, so okay. I'll, go, I'll go first for my first one, and I've got yeah. Xavier yeah. Lefloc. Oh, this doesn't look good. I've got, I've got the same one. I've Xavier Lefloc first oh, as well. No. Okay, you go oh, second. No. You go second. Hervé Foire. Oh, no, so have I. Oh no! Okay, it's going to be a tie. And I got Francio. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we hashed that. We've, we've got exactly the same. <laughs> we're both geniuses. <laughs> nice waste of time. <laughs> okay, we'll skip that. So it looks like um, we're picking three French guys there. So, uh... Uh, so yeah. So the course in France is meant to have got easier. Well, yeah, apparently it has, but uh, but by the look of the looking at the course profile, it doesn't look that way. It's uh, just a very challenging course all around. When I did see that they had changed the course, I thought it was going to be quite an easy course, but uh, it's by no means an easy bike course. Oh, really? It's going to be pretty slow times. Uh, maybe they have made it a little bit easier than last year, but it's uh, it's still going to be a pretty challenging day at the office. Well, are there so any... You still got problems there with your Mac, have you? No, no. no. <laughs> My internet connection just died up. You guys won't notice this because I'm a great editor. But that <laughs> <laughs> connection just died briefly, and so I have bloody internet. I tell you, oh, you rely on it so My much. Piece, nowadays, My PC's you? working. My PC's <laughs> working fine over here. Thanks. <laughs> I think it was from your end. Right, to be honest. The... Yeah, don't give me that. On the quarter lane. What have you got for quarter lane with the girls? Okay, I'm going Kate Major. Oh, Christ. Yep, the same. <laughs> Joanna Zyger. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> and here yeah. we Oh, have you got a webcam on or something <laughs> over there? You've been stealing my picks. <laughs> okay, well, that means we're going to be uh, Even all tied up speak. again at the end of this. Great minds think alike, <laughs> oh, as they say. That was a great feature, that one. We've got to make sure we keep that one going. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so who's, uh, who's racing in the men's race over there? I didn't really get a chance to look at that. I was in a bit of a rush this morning. Well, I... I was in a bit of a rush as well, and when I did have a quick look in there, there's an actually no, there's only two pro guys racing, and so I haven't checked up on this, but I know what they did last year is they um, basically didn't have any prize money for guys at one race and didn't have any prize money for girls at another North American race. So they combined Coeur d'Alene and Lake Placid, and one had extra prize money for men, one had extra prize money for females. So why, uh, so why doesn't Coeur d'Alene same... attract men? Uh, because there's no prize money, they they stack it all so the girls can earn oh, more at that race, and so it can be a more competitive like oh, okay. race. 
I thought they do. Yeah, oh, and then okay. they do. They do it vice versa. So the idea is to try and get a get a quality of field. So, so it's kind I, of like, like the female's champs in its own little way, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yep, mm. you can call it that. Yeah, well, I just <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <all> right. <laughs> <laughs> so some other big news this week is that uh, Ironman champion, legend of the game, Peter Reed is retiring. Yeah. So um, I, I read that article that you sent over, and he yeah, he's obviously uh, hung up his uh, his bike and his running shoes for for good this time, by the sounds of it. He has made a partial retirement in the past, but it does sound like this time it is going to be for good. And uh, he's just really lost his drive to, to keep competing at the top, and and obviously when you do that, you want to you want to call it a day. So it's a shame he's not going out on a high. He, he finished second last year, yeah. which is still a bloody good result. But um, third. Uh, in some ways, it's it's good he's he's not yeah, third. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, it's good he's not going back to Hawaii unmotivated and finishing you know yeah. a terrible race and then hanging up his hanging up. So it's uh, I guess it's a good, it's, it's probably quite a good time to go out. Because he's been around for a long time, old Peter, isn't he? He has, yeah. I mean, he's um, he, well back into the 90s he was racing. So, um, yeah, he's had a lot of success in Hawaii. You know, I'm, I'm not quite sure how many times he's won it, but if he hasn't won it, he's generally been on the podium. Uh, so, yeah, he's been a, a you know a very good performer. He's always focused on that one race and uh, during the year and hasn't done too much else. Uh, he, earlier on in his career, he, he won Canada a few times. Um, but, yeah, really good athlete. Very focused as well. And he's kind of been the man of our time, hasn't he? He has. Um, I mean, the, the times haven't really come down much in Hawaii, but uh, he's always been there or thereabouts. I think a lot of those guys aren't, aren't running as fast as, say, Mark Allen and Dave Scott were, but um, <clears throat> they're certainly putting in some good bike splits. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's been a really good, consistent performer. And uh, and he's, he's been around for, like you said, a long time. So, uh Good luck to him and what he's planning to do next, which we don't know. Yeah, I wonder what it'll be. He'll become a media man, eh? He might have a podcast. Bike shop. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That'll be the end of us. <laughs> so uh, you're in you're in France and you've got Epic Camp coming up. You've got here that oh, I've driven the first stages. So you want to talk about? Have you had a chance to drive the first few stages? Yeah, I, I arrived. Uh, it's, a, it's a mission of a journey getting to anywhere from New Zealand, and so it's about I don't know, about forty to forty-five hours of travelling to get here. And uh, so I got here on uh, Monday and drove over the first day of our uh, Epic camp, and it's a pretty challenging route to be fair. Uh, plenty of climbing uh, and quite a bit of undulating. We were expecting some parts to be a little bit flatter, but uh, no, fantastic. Unfortunately, the unfortunately the weather has, hasn't been the greatest. It's been nice and warm, which is a change from Christchurch. But uh, both days that I've come through the mountains, it has been raining, so I haven't had any spectacular views. But uh, we're hoping that it's all going to blow itself out by the start of the camp on Monday and uh, hopefully then we'll have some glorious sunny days but but the hills are looking fantastic, some nice uh, nice gradients, a nice mix of steep stuff and, and gentle climbing so uh, and then today I ended up doing the, the next day um, which will be one of our transition days and that's when we go over some of the really big passes. Uh, so are you driving all the tornadoes. days before the course? I'm just just driving some of the really the big key days, uh, just to make sure we know exactly where we're going and nobody's going to get lost, and figuring yeah. out um, different different stops for lunches and aid stations and so on. So, so far so good. Oh, cool. We're going to insert. I'm going to do this interview later, but you're going to hear it now because we're going to have an interview with uh, Ian, Ian, who uh, John is staying with and is helping out with the Epic Camp, but also has a lot to do with multi-sport over in France. And uh, has a great website, which is going to be a website of the week as well. So I'll insert that right now. 
So we've got Ian right here from uh from so you where are you from, Ian? Um, originally from uh, England. Uh, not lived there for a while. Went across to uh, Holland. Um, I'm brought up in Australia, but uh, came back to England when I was about eleven. Because you don't sound like a pom, do you? Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a bad thing. So you're over in you're you're based in France now. Yeah, we've been here for about two years now. And what you, what um, you, what do you do for a for a living as such? Or yeah, is um, you do camps? basically it was our dream. Uh, ba yeah, basically it was our dream to to do something in triathlon and cycling. It's been a a life for quite a few years now, and um, we saw an opportunity down in the, in the Pyrenees to open up a sort of a cycle hostelry to um, to look after to cyclists and and because we've done triathlon we thought let, let's focus it towards the triathlete as well so uh, we've sort of built up the center here with the triathletes and cyclists in mind with endless pool um, oh, really? loads of rides at it, it, it's it's perfect riding country um, beautiful lakes so we, we put together tri camps or uh, cycling tours we do a, a coast to coast the raid Pyrenees um, quite a few events and are you busy all year round all year, um, mostly in the, in the summer, yeah, yeah. mostly in the, the sort of summer season. But the summer season here is quite long, from sort of end of March all the way through to the end of October. Um, this year we'll be doing some sort of winter fun camps, which will include you know cross country skiing, racketing, yeah. a bit of downhill, and um, the roads are always clear. The, the snow line's about 700 meters, so um, we, we can get to most of the coals, uh, the big coals up the Tourmalet and the Orbisque. They're, they're shut for about six months of the year, but uh, the, the roads leading up to the ski stations are, are constantly free. Oh, wow. So it's still good cycling. And what kind of athlete do you get there? Do you get, like, all types? This year, it's, um, we've sort of focused on the introductory. Uh, so we, we classed it this year as a triathlon holiday, you know, come train and relax. Next year, we're pushing it a bit further into sort of uh, specific camps for for Ironman distance, a couple in uh, the beginning of the year to focus on sort of the July-August races. Yep. But also um, triath uh, the, the tri-sprint uh, and ollie distance uh, races. So, yeah, we, we get everybody. Last, we have beginner cyclists or one partner cycles, the other is just getting into it. So we, we try and um, we always add support onto that. So there's always a support vehicle for the longer rides. So the, the unfit partner or the unfit part of the group has always the option to jump in the back of the van, but uh, they always make it to the top. <laughs> and so when they come along to your type of thing, what do you provide? Is it um, the hostel, is it food and all that stuff as well? Basically, that we want to provide everything. So we pick we pick them up from the uh, the airport, um, wow. Toulouse or Po, or, or there's Carcassonne, or even further out for our coast-to-coast -coast events in Biarritz. Um, we bring them back. Um, we we can build their bikes for them, uh, rent them bikes. Uh, it's full bed and breakfast and uh, evening meal. Uh, most of the, the lunches we always take out when we're out on the bikes and yeah. to give them a bit of feel of France in the cafes. Um, ba basically everything, and also the the running guiding. Uh, we we take them up the mountains to the to the beautiful lakes and halfway up to the glaciers, um, and, and swimming in the lakes. So we. We've got canoes, we take boys out and sort of make a, um, a, a small open water swim course for them. And on, on most Wednesday afternoons on the tri camps, we always do a, a mini triathlon just so people can get, 
get practice in for the uh, open water swimming and uh, without wetsuits and also uh, the transitions and things. Mate, you may, you're making me want to come over, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come so, over. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be there right now, I tell you. And uh, you're, you're actually our website of the week, and your website is? It's uh, www.pyreneesmultisport.com. Which uh, we'll have on, the, on, on our website, which I mean, talk we'll have it in our show notes, so if you um, want to check that out. It's a really nice website. It's, uh, it's, it's quite thorough, isn't it? You've got a lot of detail on here. Yep, and uh, it's been updated, ready for the 2007 season, so by August all of the uh, the packages will be up there. And so do you follow the tour? Yeah, um, the, the tour starts basically the day Epic Camp finishes, so I've got a rush back from Po on the Saturday. Um, we've got all the guys coming over from Canada, America, and from the UK. Um, we basically ride a few of the, the, the smaller coals, and then we're heading over to uh, to start stage 10 of the tour and we're going to ride half of that tour, stay in a nice hotel, and then the, the rest of the, um, the stage we're going to go up to the Marie Blanc, watch it on the mountain there. Uh, the following day we're going to uh, ride from the centre here um, over the Col de Port at Long and then into Spain to watch the mountain top finish on the Pla de Berry. So that'll be quite, quite nice. <clears throat> um, and then the, the third stage, because uh, we're lucky this year we've got three stages by us, uh, starts in the um, the spa town of Luchon just down the road. So we're going to cycle off down to Luchon from the centre and basically watch the start, see all the guys signing up, try and get a few autographs. Wow. Must be in your dream job, mate. Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah, wow. Wow, it's pretty cool. Um, what's the most challenging aspect for you? You know, like I, I imagine it's a huge logistical nightmare trying to pull all these packages together. It, it is um, the split groups um, where we have... Uh, the, the high riders that uh, are chasing themselves, each other up to the top of the coals, um, where I've got to try and struggle to keep up with those guys. Yeah. Um, and the slower athlete who is just basically, everybody gets to the top, whatever gear they've got. Yeah. Um, it's the slower guys that uh, Julie, my wife, who sort of drives the, the hard job, driving the van behind, yeah. uh, looking after them, giving them water. Um, it, it's the waiting time. So the guys at the top always want to get zooming off town and descend as quick as they can. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to keep the groups as close as possible, but uh, it's not always uh, always practical. So you actually do the rides yourself, do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, no, I, I do all the riding. Um, oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, uh, and if it's a smaller ride around the... Um, uh, ran the centre uh, up to about 60, 70 k away. Then both myself and Julie, my wife, we ride out, and uh, the, the group then can naturally split into two different uh, abilities. Wow, oh, that sounds great, mate. And uh, so you're looking forward to Epic Camp? Oh yes, great. It's uh, again another dream come true. Um, the legends of Scott Mina, Gordo, and John, uh, yeah. you know, coming to our site. So uh, yeah, it'd be good, good experience as well. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you both can learn from each other experience, so I imagine they can learn a lot from you. Hey, well, good luck in uh, the next couple of weeks of FIPA Camp, and good luck with your own business. Um, if you guys want to check it out out there, it's pyreneesmultisport.com. Again, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. It's um, obviously very thorough and professional package-type deals for you guys who would like to get over to France and do some really awesome training. And to be honest, oh, man, I'd love to be over there and doing it with you at some stage. So um, check out the website, and if you want to go further into it, they've got some contact details in there, and you guys can get out there and experience, you know, what those top elite uh, triathletes and cyclists experience on a day-to-day basis. Thanks for your time, Ian. Yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers. See you later. Let's move on. Um, High five. So, ready? We'll do it. Ready? 
Well, yeah, it's going to be hard to coordinate because we're at different times. So uh, you go, I'll go one, two, three, uh, wait I'll, for half a second, and we'll go. I'll, okay. let, I'll let you take it, mate. You, you, you do the whole thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> one, two, three, four, <laughs> half, five. It's just not the same without you, mate. Uh, it breaks my heart. Oh, I know. Feel <laughs> funny sitting there in their room, talking to <laughs> <Yeah>. computer. <laughs> I had to kick my girlfriend out. I said, you better go for a bike ride this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was apt that I, I'd give people some travel tips today, um, given that I've just sort of travelled uh, half, well, halfway around the world. So I thought I'd give five travel tips on uh, trying to make your life a little bit easier when you are having to pack your bike up and mm. either move somewhere else in the country this is or good stuff elsewhere too. in the world. Good stuff, thank you. Yeah, um, I'll let you. T- I'll let you take the first one. Okay, so mark your seat and your handlebar height before you dismantle your bikes. You know, we spend so much time trying to get our bikes set up properly that if you don't mark it, and, and people do this, they forget to mark it and they forget how it's set up, and so you have to work on the yeah. dirt marks or something like that. So it's a good idea to yeah. use, um, like I, I tend to use like a Vivid or a Twink, something that's really obvious, like a pencil, or, or sometimes even if you use tape, it still moves, so you yeah. need to use something that's really, really yeah. obvious. Yeah. So that's just, a, yeah, probably for first timers who haven't done it before, a lot of other people may think that's obvious, but... Uh, First time as it can often be a mistake that uh, people make. So my second one is um, is if you are travelling uh, to, to to get a, de- a rear a spare rear derailleur hanger. Uh, this is something I've suffered from myself, which, which is why I put it in there. It's so based on one of my own experiences. Is rear derailleur hangers is what holds your derailleur onto your frame, and uh, they're one bike part that is very very difficult to get hold of. They're not sort of standardised across all different sorts of bikes. You know, if you break a, a brake or you break a, one of your chain rings, it's quite easy to get replacements yep. generally. Um, but rear derailleur hangers are often moulded uh, specifically for a particular type of bike, so it's really handy to have a spare one of them just always with you whenever you're travelling. So one that could get bent slightly in in flight if you carrying with a bike bag. Secondly, if you're putting your bike together, you know, you can thread it, which is what I did when I was in Hawaii, and oh, it was no. an absolute nightmare, uh, a nightmare trying to find another one. But uh, So that's just a, a peace of mind thing. Chances are you probably never have to use it, but it is uh, something handy to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, number three is to make sure your bike is really, really clean. Um, when you go through international customs, if you have a dirty bike, I know coming to New Zealand, um, they are anal about your bike being clean because of diseases like mad cow yeah. and all those type of things. So also putting a cover of your chain in a plastic bag helps with this as well. Um, and lastly, don't carry any food. <laughs> Which uh, yeah, that's I mean, I think that's a biggie for for uh, Kiwis and Aussies and anybody coming down to the southern hemisphere. Is um, I think borders are opened a bit bit more freely elsewhere in the world. But if you try bringing in a piece of fruit or something into New Zealand. You don't even get questioned. It's like an instant fine yeah. on the spot. And likewise, if you've got a dirty bike, they'll, they'll just it'll they won't be happy. And you, chances are you may not get into the country. So if you are coming down under, um, that's just a, a good tip for you guys. Yeah, that's good. And another tip more for uh, we're being a bit biased to all our, our Kiwis and Aussies here. Um, but if you are Kiwis and Aussies and looking to head to to Europe to race, um, make sure you well, it's a fun travel via the USA. Purely because of the baggage allowance you can you you can get. If you come via Asia, uh, you're basically allowed 20 kgs complete. That includes your bike and your gear, and it's impossible to basically come in in that weight. Yeah. If you go via the, via America, you're allowed to take two bags of I think it, it was up to 30 kgs. So 
you've got no problems whatsoever. And if you're coming via Asia, the, the rate I was being quoted the other day is $87 New Zealand per kg overweight. So it's a huge amount of money. Uh, so, so do try and book via the States if you can. Yeah, definitely. Um, lastly, put, use your box or your bike bag uh, for padding and use your clothes for padding as well. Um, if your bike's clean, it shouldn't be a problem about your clothes. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and if you've got that bag around the chain, again, it's not a problem. So really use it to protect the bike because you, those um, baggage handlers don't really think, oh, it's a flash bike, and you, know, <laughs> you see them throw those bikes <laughs> around. So yeah, you just, you just uh, want to pad your bikes as much as possible. I know of a guy who actually had his carbon frame snapped or, you know, put a crack in it just by the, um, yeah. the handlers, and, you know, like it's he, got a, he ended up doing really well out of it, but still, it's... Um, yeah. If it wasn't going to a race, lucky he was coming home from a race, but if you're going to a race, it could be really stressful. So padding the bike up as much as possible and a good way to save on luggage weight is to use your clothes to do that. So Yeah, exactly. Your last Just point... Put all your clothes into a plastic bag. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. Yep. You've got, a, you've got an extra point here, mate. And, and I, I put this in bold and capitals. <laughs> um, if, you don't know, if you don't know how to dismantle your bike, which is most of what of the stuff we've been talking about here, make sure you do learn how to do it. Um, because it's, it's really important that you do have the, bice, the basic skills on, on knowing how to put your bike together, not from scratch, but you know just how to put your pedals on and things like that and, and yeah, take, take your handlebars in and out under yeah. your seat. Yeah, it's all very basic stuff and it's just a case of turning an Allen key um, for most of those things. So, so to do learn how to do that, you may need to go to a bike shop and ask them to show you and yeah. you may need somebody to help you the first few times, but it's a skill that, um, that every triathlete should have. And if you're going to a race and... You are a bit unconfident, or you know, you're lacking confidence in this area. Um, there would be a bike shop in the area, so make sure you book in early so they can double check it for you. Because nothing mm. worse coming to race day and it's not 100 percent, and things will go wrong. So, exactly. yeah. yeah. Okay, then we're going to move on to our age grouper of the week. See, again, I'm doing this by myself oh. this week, so you can, you can make out like it sounded good, mate. Uh, you could, you could, you could insert a bit of music in there or something. Uh, like see, I can't do it because we're on Skype. Good about it. We introduced the music. Oh, and okay. We've set a standard, and now we're dropping back, mate. Oh, oh break, no! It's breaking my heart. <laughs> anyway, it's we got, we got an email. Bastard. <laughs> we got an email from a guy called Paul, um, who went over into the UK for the first time, uh, seventy point three, and uh, so good on you, Paul. Well done, mate. And uh, he actually suggested an age group of a week for us, which I loved because it's kind of my domain and. Uh, it was good just to get someone else to do the work for me. So he uh, suggested <laughs> victim delegate Victor McLeod, and uh, Victor McLeod uh, is 69 years old, and uh, he ended up doing 7:24:26. So he's basically one of those old buggers who just you know legendary effort. So uh, yeah, geez, with us 69, mate, I was still doing Ironman. I reckon my no, body would be pretty tired. <laughs> No. Yeah, how, so, how's your back anyway? Oh, my back's actually really, really good. I'm back to swim. I've swam every day for the last five days. Did a big weekend on the bike and, and went for a run. I went for a run the other day when, oh, don't start me. I came these young boys. I was loving it. I was loving it. <laughs> <laughs> there was all these school boys going for a run and these fast ones took off past me and I thought, oh, I'll have a go. And I smashed them. I was loving it. <laughs> for one for the older boys, eh? Yeah. Not so anyway, but yeah, no, that's really, really good. Yeah. Not that you're competitive or anything. Not at all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can do Coach's Corner. Okay, Coach's Corner. Righto. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be pretty brief today. <laughs> yeah, you moved on from there pretty quick. You feel like a bit of a dick doing that when there's nobody else here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I was going to be pretty brief today, um, basically because I haven't, like you, I haven't had a lot of time to get this all sorted this week. 
But uh, I just wanted to come up with three different tests that people can do and use them as benchmarks for your swimming. Uh, so you can do them all, all through the year, uh, and it's a really good way to mark your progress and to set some goals on, on the sort of times that you want to achieve. So my first one is just doing a straight 2,000 metre time trial. Uh, try to do that in a, a place where you can get some reasonable space in the pool. If you're swimming all over people and you've got a tumble turn on top of people and, and that's going to muck up your time, then just try to find another time and you can do it. So that's my first benchmark. Just, just with that, John, Ironman one. With that one, do you... Um do you want to do that with other swimmers, or do you want to do it purely by yourself? Um, I do it by yourself. Then it's uh, it can be standardised. Yep. You know, if, if it, it's same as um, being on the bike. If you're sitting in a draft, you're gaining quite a quite yep. a big advantage. So, so do try and do it by yourself. If you are doing it with others, make sure you leave a 10 second gap when you start. And uh, if, if if you're sitting behind somebody in drafting, you know you're only cheating yourself. So I remember Gordo um, once said to me, "No NASCAR." to me, no NASCAR people. Because <laughs> 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 I'd sit on people's nice toes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, you just if you do that, you just got to indicate it when you record it in your, your logbook and yeah. stuff that it was either a drafting 2K or a non-drafting 2K. Yep. So, so that's my first, um, first sort of benchmark swim set. The second one is to do um, four by 400 metres hard with around about two minutes rest. Uh, so probably do them on a set time. So if... If you're a, good, a really good swimmer and you can do about five minutes for a 400 metres, that means you'll be leaving every seven minutes. What you're trying to do when you do this set is to try and hold your times all the way through. So you want your, while you are doing them all at a hard intensity, you still want your fourth 400 to be roughly the same time as your first one. So it's a good sort of lactate threshold workout and another sort of good benchmark test. So that's more about, and is it more about pacing or is it really about, you know, like over time do you try to increase those times? Yeah, no, it's a bit, a bit of both. You're, um, you're looking yeah, to pace yourself so you don't absolutely smash yourself in the first 400. Yep. Um, and then you've just got to have a bit of focus towards the end and, and really learn to sort of tolerate that lactate. Um, so it's a good, solid, hard 1,600 metres in total swimming yep. but with a good amount of rest each one. Yep. And my third one is a real classic swimmer's set. Uh, a bit higher intensity but it's still got some good valid points. Is to do 10 by 100 metres on a set time which gives you approximately one minute rest. So the, the typical swimmers will generally do this on, on a two minutes, so that means you do 10, 10 times 100 on two minutes, which means if you say swam a, a 64 second 100, then you'd get 56 seconds rest. If someone like yourself, you might be doing I don't know, 115s or 120, something like that. Yep. In that case, you'd be doing every 100 on, on say, the 220. So you're yep. always getting roughly one minute rest. So you can go One recovery. minute is quite a bit... Yeah, one minute's yeah. quite a bit of rest for, for just 100 metres. Same principle applies there, though. You want your 10th 100 to be roughly the same as your first and second ones. So it's a, a good, very, very hard swim. Um, but again, pacing does play so an it's important about, role in that. So it's about controlling yourself at the very beginning, isn't it? Because it's easy to exactly. go out and smash yourself yep. and go, and then five into it, you think, yeah. holy crap. Now, with these, yeah. how often do you so, think you should do them? Uh, the, t the 2K time trial, I think, should be done monthly, um, every, every month of the year, unless you're having a big break from your swimming. And then the, the, four, the, the other ones, maybe do them every, every two months or so. Yeah. Um, but I think every, every person needs to be doing a 2K uh, time trial probably, probably every month, especially in the racing season. It's a good, strong benchmark, and and I also think 
one distance swim every week, uh, which is not necessarily a time trial, but say doing a, a 3,000 metre straight or, or three times 1,000 metres, you do need to make sure you're doing some long, continuous swimming. Yep, yep, definitely. Okay, then another thing you've got is blister tips. Yeah, I just um, thought I'd give a few people who contacted me, obviously about blisters in the past, and, and they can be caused by, by a number of um, number of factors, so I thought I'd just quickly go over why a few blisters occur and, and sometimes what you can do about them. Because there's such one, a restriction, you can help aren't me they? Out with this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. You go first. Okay, so my first sort of point is, um, first thing to check if you are getting a lot of blisters is, um, are your shoes correcting, fitting correctly? Um, so, you know, they might not be quite wide enough. Uh, if you haven't had them fitted by a podiatrist or haven't had a, a specialist shoe stop looking at you, they might not be fitting right, they might not be deep enough, might not be long enough. Um, so you really need to just, just check out that, you know, firstly you are in the, in the right sort of shoe for your foot size. Yeah, and then the second one is to make sure you actually lace the shoes properly and that they're nice and secure in the shoe so there's not much movement. Um, if you move around lots, that's what's going to really create the blister at the back of your foot or the blister in your shoe at least. And uh, so really lace it really correctly, which sounds a bit stupid lacing your shoes correctly, but it's more once you've laced it, how the shoe, the foot feels within the shoe. So, yeah. Yeah, and that... The lacing can often be an indication of whether your shoe is the right size. Yep. Um, it should be, you should have a fairly even row of, um, you know, you should go up in a nice straight line. If it's, if your laces are really wide at the bottom and then really narrow at the top, probably indicates you haven't got the right size shoe. And likewise, if it's really narrow at the bottom and really wide at the top, yep. again, you probably haven't got the right size shoe. So that can help out in another, in another area as well. Um, obviously for the triathletes, some people wear socks and some don't. Um, it's it's really, a, I think for, for Ironman guys, you really should be wearing uh, socks when you're racing and obviously when you're training. Um, if some people can't even try using two pairs of thin socks. Yeah. Um, I've heard of some people finding that successful in the past. Um, but it's really a case of you've just got to remember that your feet do change shape a little bit in, in the different temperatures. Uh, and at the front of your shoe, you should always, um, when you're trying on shoes, have, have about a thumbnail um, spare at the front, so that will give you a bit of uh, scope if, you, if your feet do swell up while you're training or racing. <laughs> We've got this tip here. If you sweat lots, and which I do, but um, they're, they're saying you can um, add surgical spirit to your, soak your socks in them once a day, and that helps to eliminate the sweat or maybe soak it up, but I'm not really sure. No, they're saying it reduces yeah. the perspiration. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah. I've heard of people trying that and having. I've never, I've never had too much of a problem with blisters in the past, but but definitely a number of people have said to me that that, that does work. Um, so, so another tip on top of that is to actually put it on your feet and kill the, um, make your feet harder. To actually put like yeah. spirits on your feet and kill the like the skin and basically your feet get really hardened. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that's just a few. That's a. It's all, all nice stuff. Or you can just go to your podiatrist and ask for some advice from them. One thing in, um, in a race, that was just, oh, in a race with that one, just uh, you might get blisters, um, especially because a lot of water falls over your feet. Especially if you're typically in a hot mm. race, you'll tip a lot of water over yourself, and um, you will. And, and I think it's just it's not that much of a pain. And you just have to you'll be aware of it, but you just got to keep moving because there's not much you can do about it in a race. And uh, don't let yeah, it be too much of a distraction. Yeah, you just 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 push through it. Hard Deal enough. with the pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just a, that was a bit of a brief coach's corner this week, but um, just a few little pointers and tips there for everybody. Nice. Uh, we're going to questions and answers. We're not going to do it because we both feel silly. <laughs> 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 so questions and answers for this week. We've got um, 
We had Ken, and uh, Ken, we've been mentioning about getting uh, race reports, and Ken has a great race report on his website, uh, which is a big website, so I won't name it, but I'll put a, sh- a link to it in the show notes for the Eagleman half, or 70.3, like a couple of weekends ago. So uh, he wrote a really good race report, really nice and detailed, and uh, so check that out. Go onto his website. That will be in our show notes on www.ironmantalk.com. Um, and then he's actually coming over for yeah, terrific camp him. this week as well. Yeah. So he's uh, was using that as his last blowout. So Ken Wallace. So I'm looking forward to meeting him. I haven't met him yet, but he's. Uh, well, I noticed he used Saturday the Macintosh computer, so I was pretty happy with that. Oh, <laughs> I was on his black side. mark against his name already. Oh no, he's he's going to win the thing. I tell you. Um, <laughs> and then we had um, we go on to I go onto most of the forums every week and just update everybody of what's happening in the show notes and stuff like that. And we got a, a email from a guy called Gary Fegan, Fegan, uh, from, he must be from the UK, but he's telling us about the Runners World Forum have put together a group of athletes to do their first Ironman together. And most of these guys have basically n- not done a lot of training ever. And, uh, and he was a bit, he, some of his ideas, I was thinking, oh, John won't like this stuff. Did you read this email? Did you get this one? Yeah, people are people are trying to blow my theories out the window. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> but then what they do, and they're, 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 it's really quite cool. They get together a group of athletes, and they call them the Runners World Pirates. And uh, the whole thing is called the Pirate Ship of Fools. And what they do is they get together a big group of athletes who have never really done an Ironman, and they all train together, and they all get people to help them out, and then they work on working towards one big race. Now, they did. Um, which race did they do last year? Uh, I think it was Switzerland, Switzerland last, was it? yeah, Switzerland last year, and they had about twenty or thirty guys, and so, um, and he did really well. He did like a, a ten fifty fifty in his first one, so that was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, but this year they're all going to Switzerland again, or I think no, it's Germany. Germany this yeah, time. Germany. And there's about Germany. another thirty or forty of them, and um, if you go on their forum uh, at Runners World, they have a Runners World Triathlon forum. It's a big part of their forum, eh? and there's lots of people getting into it, and so. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was, it was he kind of thought that this three-year shit was rubbish. So your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, as I've said in the past, is um, um, people are more than welcome to go out and, and do Ironman the first, as their sort of first race. But I think um, it's okay if people have got a really good background in sport. But I think for people who don't have a back, good background in sport, it is a fairly challenging way to get into the race, to get into the sport. So I would suggest sort of a two to three year plan to to do Ironman, um, but there's obviously always real exceptions to the rule, and these guys are obviously proving me wrong here, which is uh, perfectly fine. Yeah, and they've got 60 people doing Germany, which is kind of cool. And uh, with it, um, I, I think the thing is as well is they've created a really supportive group environment where they're all you know, so it's, it's you know, it's not so much. A lot of learning experiences will come along quicker because they've got so much more kind of influence within yeah. it, which probably helps as well. Um, but he wanted me to do a big. Uh, yeah, there's, there's yar. A pirate. Yar. Yar. <laughs> for the pirates. Arr. So there you go, the pirates. <laughs> so we'll be checking out the pirates as they go in Germany, which is coming up soon. So that was kind of cool. Um, next email we had. Oh, Matthew again. Matthew, you're a bloody legend, mate. <laughs> He comes up with his questions. I think he goes home and thinks about it all. And uh, he had, um, he basically t- mentioned something we've mentioned previously about having a series of Ironman races and having that as like a world championship. And you know, you might have four races, and uh, and you know, all the top Ironmen in the world could compete in maybe two or three of those races, and there'd be a point system and. 
you know, would, he was wondering if we'd think it'd work, what are the pros, would the pros race more, would it bring in more money, more sponsorship, and more recognition for the sport? Um, maybe even race the bar a little bit higher as well. What do you think on that, John? Yeah, I think um, that's what we sort of mooted a little while ago, is having a Grand Slam, and I, I think it would be fantastic. I think it would bring more money, it would make those fields more competitive. What we are seeing at the moment is a general weakening of the, the elite fields across all Ironmans, just simply because there are so more many. and more races popping yeah. up all the time. Uh, so I think, yeah, we, we, we sort of discussed it a while ago, and we thought it would be a good idea. A bit like what they do with golf, you have the Grand Slam, where you have, uh, they have the British Open, the US Open, the US Masters, and... Another one. One of one, another one that, that exclu- <laughs> eludes my mind at the moment. Uh, but that's it works really well, and I think it'll work well in Ironman. When, uh, a few years ago, they did actually have a, a World Series, but I think it was something ridiculous. You had to do like five races or something oh, okay. stupid like that. And so I don't would, actually know if there was much money. So three would be the optimum, wouldn't it? I think so. I think you'd have um, you know maybe double points or something for Kona, and then probably have uh, maybe three, uh, three other Ironmans, and you had to do... Um, three of the four or, or two of the four to, to get points. But I think it's definitely an idea that's got a lot of merit and, uh, and think, I think the athletes would go for it. Do you think they would? Because one thing that would happen is I know a lot of athletes probably choose two races that they've got a pretty good chance of winning so they can get their money and then they'd have Hawaii where they know that, hey, unless they have an awesome day, they probably won't make much money. Do you think that they maybe stay away from something like that because they would still want to make their money and that if it's going to pull a good right. field, there's less chance of them making their money? I think money talks, and I think that's the way it's going to work. As if they have a, 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 you know, have these races. They're big races, and they pay maybe twenty to twenty-five deep, and yeah. they pay good money. Uh, and then I think you will get the guys there. Sure, yeah. not everybody will come, but I think um, if there's a significant money on the line, and not just for the first couple, if it does go fairly deep, then I think you'd get plenty of athletes. Basically, the, most of the pro athletes there are. They, they, they do follow the money, so if, yep. uh, financially it was going to work for them. The timing was right, I think it would work. I think for the recognition of the brand, it would also be really good, because the thing is is that Ironman really only gets exposure around the world big time when Hawaii is on and when your local event is on, and so um, yeah. it's, like, it's, like most, it's like most big sports is that when they have their big event, that's when you look at it. It's like World Cup, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I seem to be trying to keep up to date with what's happening with the sport at the moment, and yeah. you know, in golf there's four majors, and so if we could have races throughout the year, maybe two or three, or maybe even four races at different times, it keeps our sport in the mind of, of the public outside of our sport. So, and you know, if they were to promote that in a big way, whereas at the moment it's, you get one chance with Hawaii, and so that's when we get on the big networks yeah. overseas. So definitely in the brand side yeah. of things, yeah. So yeah, I think it's a good idea, Matthew. And so yeah, bring it on. And uh, Matthew, just Matthew's for the record, got, uh, yeah, bring it on, Matthew. He's doing his Lake Passage. Yeah. Good, good solid day there. It's a fairly tough bike course there at Lake Placid, so good luck to him. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it's, I think it's about must be about four, four and a half weeks yeah, away now. Yeah, it is too. So bring it on, Matthew. Good luck, mate. We're, I'm sure we'll get another question from next week. He's been a legend. Um, we had a, a, a Patrick from I think he's from Australia. Patrick, he's asked us a question before. He noticed that I was an RPM trainer, which for those of you who don't know what that is, I teach uh, fitness at gyms like aerobics, pump, spinning type of classes, and uh, I represent a company called Les Mills and I train people on how to do this stuff and um, RPM is our version of spinning and he was just wondering if spin was an alternative, a good alternative to biking on the road, especially during the winter. Um, a lot of these people use these classes uh, instead of using their indoor bike, or, you know, it's, it's basically is it a good thing. 
And uh, he's always a bit worried about the intensity of the class. Now, I think that spinning, if you're a cyclist, it's not really that great. I don't think I would ever try to focus on being doing a real good cycle race based on that now if you're doing a 40k cycle race yep definitely it's good for for something like that you know definitely in the winter and it's all good but i think the best thing you can do is really to get out on your bike and do the work if you're looking for a good interval session um for your intense session during the week it's really great because spinning classes tend to be very interval based so you tend to have working sections that go from anywhere from 10 seconds up to a minute and then it's a recovery the whole class is based around that um so i find that if you're looking for that top end intensity and top end fitness, it's it's a good thing to have maybe once in your week just to really blow yourself out. But if I was training for cycling, I wouldn't really think of that as my main cycling thing. It's more of it's more of a kind of a, good for a bit of variation. Yeah, definitely. And in winter, it's um you know those cold days when you're just not going to get out. Maybe it's the only alternative. That that's not necessarily a bad thing. But um, like at my, at my gym, I do a class which is about an hour 15 long, so if your gym does do a longer class, it definitely helps. You tend to find most spin classes go for around 45 minutes, and within that, there's only probably about 32 minutes of cardio work, so it's really not that long a session, and if you were to think about that on a bike, it's really just is not it, that long. Is, is that exactly 32 minutes, or is it 31 and a half minutes? Or it's 31, 33.21. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, but but the, the effects are very much top-end fitness. So um, I know for a lot of my power and um, strength stuff, it definitely helps. Um, but again, I think you, it's not focused on your goal. And so um, I think it's a good supplement to be alongside, especially on those colder days, but I wouldn't be using it as my main my main type of um, instruction kind of thing. I know some guys put together classes at like bike shops where they're very much like an interval session for for mm-hmm. the tra- spin trainers. Um, and, and they're probably a little bit better. Again, it depends on what your program is doing, what the program... Like I know the Les Mills one is very much... It, it's, it's very much an intervals-based program with a little bit of hill climbing in there. Um, but... I know some guys who do sessions where they do lots of like 10 minutes of sitting down in a, like a riding position, so that's probably a little bit more realistic. But again, I think you'd best just to be on your bike. Um, yeah, or the other good a good idea would be a bit like what you said, is maybe get your local triathlon club to all get together and uh, and everybody gets on their wind trainers and you can go down to a, um, you know, maybe a big hall somewhere and do a big wind trainer session together. Yeah. I think then you'll get a more specific workout than doing the spin stuff. But I agree with Bevan. Spin stuff is... Um, it's a good alternative, but it certainly doesn't want to be the main focus of your week. Um, but over winter, if you do want a bit of a break and and you do just want a bit of variety, then then it's going to help your fitness. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's not going to hurt your fitness. Um, no, we got Paul from the UK. He did his first uh, half Ironman with seventy point three, and you're uh, saying that. He did the UK 70.3 and he said that it was a killer and uh, that Chris McCormick was a bit of a legend <laughs> on the day. He said he was a machine because there must have been a lot of hills because he's saying Harry did the, at the hills yeah. and yeah, it was both the hills and the run, he's saying 14%. Must have been 14% yeah, gradient. So, pr- yeah, so it's pretty, pretty, pretty tough time, times there, pretty slow times. I mean, you know, Klaus did 4 hours 30. That's... that's uh, not a particularly fast time, so yeah, it must have been pretty hilly. So well done, Paul, mate. Good work in kind of joining the club, and hopefully you're looking at maybe stepping up to the next level at some stage and doing the, doing the full, eh? Bring it on. Yeah. Um, last question we had was from, I don't think I put his name down. Um, I can get that while I'm, you're answering the question, but um, yeah, he, a guy's asked us if, 
he's asking, he's basically looking at two types of things as a coach. He's saying, we've got someone like John, who's an internet coach generally, um, and that you have, you know, you go to John and you can communicate through Skype and, you know, he'll send you programs through the internet, but you don't necessarily see a lot of him because he lives in a different place. And uh, his question was, should he do something like that or should he um, focus more on getting someone who's a local coach who can spend the time with him with his technique and areas like that? So, uh, your thoughts on that one, John? Well, I think it's pretty obvious, Bevan. They should all uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. sign up. Sign up with me. <laughs> no, no. no uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to both sides of the things. You know, the ideal is you do have a, a very experienced uh, local coach who's done lots of Ironmans and uh, and knows lots about technique, and he lives next door to you, and he'll go out with all your training sessions and do everything with you. You know, that would be a great scenario, but the reality is it's probably not going to happen. So. Um, Yes, the, the positives of having uh, somebody who's got more experience and giving you a program via the internet is you know you'll, you know things will be periodised nicely and hopefully you'll you'll get the, the most out of your fitness uh, and, and get to the race in, in really good shape. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of benefit in that side of things. The way I work with a lot of people, but yes, there's definitely a downside is that you're not there and you can't necessarily see people face to face. Um, what I get a lot of guys to do is to send me video footage of their swimming and their running and their biking. Um, so send me over the copies of that and then we can talk that through. And obviously with the internet these days you can use webcams and so on. So you can actually see the people, I think, seeing people's faces and how they react to, to what you're telling them um, can, can be quite useful. Uh, but I think a lot of people do, don't pay enough attention to technique and actually working on that. They just look at the, the numbers and they go, I want to be training you know, 25 hours a week or 20 hours or whatever whatever you're sort of targeting at, and they don't spend a lot of time uh, on technique. So another thing that I do to, to help people with that is um, I send them a number of resources, you know, videos, DVDs, um, CDs, etc. And that's another way that I help people with their technique is I get them to send me footage of them doing, you know, swimming, biking or running, I send them what the ideal is and then we kind of talk through um, how people should work, work on things. But yeah, I mean the ideal is you have somebody locally who knows everything about everything and helps you out. Um, but I think especially for Ironman, I think getting somebody with a bit more experience uh, and understanding how much volume you can tolerate is quite useful rather than having somebody locally who maybe has just done a few triathlons. So I think Ironman's a bit different in that regard. Um, and you probably do need somebody who's actually been out there and done the event and uh, and has sort of worked with a number of other people in the past. I think one thing with that as well is that um, I remember when I did my training for a personal training years ago and the guy who was quite an entertainer who was um, educating us and he talked about how every gym has their guru and that um, the, every gym has a guy who everyone else thinks knows everything and realistically sometimes they don't really know a lot and um, I think that in every area there'll be a guy who's done a couple Ironman and you know they probably do have a bit of experience which can help but I think the good thing about internet is that now we have experience to guys who are doing like John who are full-time coaches all the time and that's what they do and so they they really are just refining their skills and with a, you know, through training lots and lots of athletes over time that they've just become so much more skilled and uh, what they do and so <clears throat> the fact that we have access to that through the internet to me is a really valuable tool and that those guys who are like the local legends sure they're so if they're a full-time coach you know maybe they're worth considering but if they're just some mate of yours who wants to write you up a program 
the value might be all right, but I think the experience you gain from someone who's a full-time coach and has exposure to some really good athletes all around the world, um, you know, I, I always find when I listen to those type of guys like John and Scott, and they just have so much more experience. And they re- some of the questions I just wouldn't have even thought of, they have answers for that. Yeah, they just have an insight that most people don't have. And so to me, the, the fact that we have uh, a chance to use those people was really great and that... Uh, if it may cost, it may cost a little bit more. But even if so, you definitely still want to go ahead with using the more experienced coach at least. So, yeah, there's a backing for you, mate. Thanks, mate. The, the, the checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah, so uh, bring it on. That's, just, that's pretty uh, much. I just sort of. Uh, hey, hey, don't cut me off oh, there. Sorry, mate. Sorry. We've got to delay it. I'm going to cut you off sometimes. So. <laughs> um, but I think one thing, just if you, if if anybody is going to get a coach over the internet, I think. The, the initial communication is really important so you understand what sort of service you're getting. Um, I think I mentioned this before, you know, different coaches work in different ways with their internet coaching. And so it's really important that you uh, you know what uh, the expectations of the coaches in terms of how much communication is going to be and whether that's going to meet your, you know, what you want out of it. So, so make sure you get that cleared up pretty early, you know, how many phone calls you get, how many emails you get, um, how quick, how often the programs are coming over as well because uh, you just got to make sure that's nice and crystal clear so both you and the coach doesn't end up getting frustrated by somebody not um, meeting their end of the bargain. It was Gary who gave the question. It was Gary again. I think it was Gary Fagan from... Uh who was from the Pirates? Yeah, yeah Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I loved in the Pirates sound, but anyway, sorry, don't digress. Um, I guess that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty much our questions and answers for the week. So, uh, so what do you got on for the rest of the week, mate? So, what happens for you from here? Uh, I go and pick up Gordo tomorrow. Uh, he's flying in tonight. Go pick him up, and we go and uh, drive around and bike around a bit more of the course. And, yep. Uh, then we head back to our start point, which is in Poe, on Friday, and then the athletes already start arriving on Saturday, Sunday, and we have an opening dinner on Sunday night, and then we kick off training on Monday. So, uh, yeah, so there'll be live coverage on um, epiccamp.com. Yep. We'll be putting up their daily daily reports, uh, daily photos. People may just have to bear with us a little bit, as you may not have internet access every day. Yep. But we'll certainly be getting up really regular reports and photos, um, so you're all nice and envious of all the stuff we're doing over here. And if uh, only, no, eh? it's looking like it's going to be a fantastic camp. Yeah, yeah, bring it on. And um, so then the camp goes for how long? Two weeks. It's uh, yeah, 12, 12 days. So we finish up uh, two weeks after, or basically just under two weeks after we start. And, uh, that, and by that time, it'll be perfect timing. We'll just be coming up to the mountain stages in Tour de France, so we'll be able to kick back and relax and uh, watch a bit of that. And, uh, and yeah, it's going to be fantastic. There'll be a few tired bodies at the end of it, but I think uh, it should be an enjoyable experience. We're going to be doing some interviews from here, um, from Ironman Talk, with uh, a few of the coaches on the camp and also a few of the athletes on the camp, which is going to be really, really cool. Now, these may be happening at different times. You notice today shows out a little bit later because we could, it's the only time that John and I could coordinate together. So over the next couple of three weeks, you're going to find that shows might just pop up here or there, and uh, we're going to try to do another one again around this time next week, so you should receive it a little bit later than usual. And uh, But we may just, if we can get an interview in whenever we can, we may just chuck that up for you guys, especially... Uh, you know, with the Morks for, uh, you know, someone like Gordo or um, Scott and KP and all those type of guys. So um, so look out for that, and we hope we can bring some really cool information and good stuff and, uh, yeah, bring that on. Uh, 
Yeah. You're, what are you after, mate? You're after you're after Taipei this yeah, week. Yeah, so I got to go to Taipei to teach uh, some people how to be fitness instructors. So I got to go. <laughs> they don't speak English, so I'm going to Taipei, and I don't speak whatever <laughs> they speak. So I'm going to Taipei <laughs> to, to train people how to teach fitness. And um, therefore, I got to go. It's like 16 hour flight. I'm there for two days, and I turn around and come straight back home. And uh, I got a translator there, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting experience, which is probably a good thing because I talk so fast. Not many people saying what anyway, so um, so that's kind of cool. I've never been to Taipei, so that should be pretty interesting. And I'm going to buy some new electronics and stuff while I'm there. So it's yay! And um, but yeah, other than that, that's pretty much it for me for the week. I got a lot of work to do before I go there, so. Uh. Loving it. Cool. Loving it. But anyway, a few things before we go. If you've got any questions, you can email us at g- uh, ironmantalk at gmail.com. We've had lots of good questions coming through, so keep them coming. And more race reports, uh, check out Ken's one on Iron Man Talk. All the show notes will be on the website, ironmantalk.com. Um, get them up today some stage. Okay. If you've got any complaints, you can you can direct those yeah. to Bevan. Yeah, hit John's personal email. the same email address. <laughs> uh, <laughs> check out John's website, which is, what is it, John? triathloncoach.net uh, for, for good coaching and uh, again internet coaching is the way to go <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, John you're, gonna, you're saying you're going to update your website soon so look out for that as well yeah I'm going to get onto that when I come back yeah so that's kind of cool um, and other than that mate you have a good time and I'll probably catch up for you during the week good luck with everything and I hope the weather comes nice and toasty for you boys over there so do I. I hope okay. It's not, okay. not, well, not too I'll stressful for you. Later. Eh? And uh, you guys have a good yeah. week out there. And, no. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, train well.